Um, as Jordan said, my name is Jenna. I'm a biblical counselor here in College Station and at First Baptist College Station. So I uh, mostly work with people on different issues that they have from a biblical perspective, um, using scripture and the word. Um, I'm here today to talk to y'all about mental health. We're going to talk about um, how we were created, uh, different things that you might want to look out for in your own lives for your own mental health, uh, what we want to look out for with our friends. Um, if one of our friends might be struggling with mental illness but not comfortable talking about it, how we might see that and what we can do to protect ourselves and to look out for our friends and then give you some resources. Y'all do have some resources on your tables right now, um, different things that y'all can use to help you when I'm not around. Okay. So if y'all have any questions throughout this, just let me know. Um, so, mental health. Um, What's important to know about your mental health, um, we need to go back to how we were created by God. God created us with four major aspects to our being. Um, he gave us a physical body. That's really talked about a lot in Genesis 2, but I don't think anybody would really argue that point. We have um, hands to feel, we have eyes to see, ears to hear. Um, but there's more to it than that. Uh, with your body, you need to properly nourish your body. So that means getting a balanced diet. Um, not saying you can't have chips and salsa and That's okay. I, I eat those things too. Cupcakes, those are okay. great too. Uh, but we want to do some moderation there. Um, we need to get plenty of sleep, which you're in college. Y'all aren't getting enough sleep. I can promise you, you are not getting enough sleep. But we want to work on all of that. Along with our physical, we are created with a mental aspect. Again, I don't think anyone would argue that point. Um, God talks about the importance of protecting your mental health. He talks about it in Philippians. He talks, talks about it throughout the entire Bible. Um, talks about making sure that we're dwelling on anything that is good and pleasant and um, just taking care of that mental health. But we also have spiritual aspect to us. Um, something important about that, we are the only creation that has that spiritual part of us, that has that desire, that need to draw closer to God. And this isn't just a Christian belief, it's not just a Judeo-Christian belief. Um, even atheists will talk to you about the importance of self-actualization or uh, just elevating yourself to that higher level. Um, it's because God created in us that need to draw close to him. And then we have a relational need. Um, in fact, in Genesis, the first time that God ever said something is not good, it was when man was alone. He said, it's not good for man to create a woman. So we know God desires for us to be with other people. In Proverbs, he talks to us about the importance of seeking wise counsel. He talks to us about iron sharpening iron. What's really important to note is that all four of these are all interconnected. So if you don't take care of one, the others will soon follow. If you need further examples of this, um, think about if you've ever had your heart broken. 
or if you've lost somebody really close to you. And that is a deep emotional pain. You hurt. But you also have that physical hurt that goes along with it. Or um, think, about, think about a toddler who hasn't had enough sleep. I'm sure Jordan could tell us all about that. <laughs> um, if, if Cooper hasn't had enough sleep, Jordan, and he decides that he wants his ice cream, and you or your wife, you won't let him have ice cream, what happens? Uh, it's pretty bloody. Uh, <laughs> he ends up getting ice cream. <laughs> but we get yelled at, hit, it's not good. Tantrum ensues. It's, yes. We cannot control our emotions as well if we haven't tended to our physical needs. And we like to think that as adults, we have evolved past that toddler phase. And in some ways, we, we have. We don't fling ourselves down in the aisle um, at HEB because they're out of our favorite ice cream. That would be ridiculous. But we do struggle with making proper decisions if we haven't taken care of that physical are there any questions about that? No? Okay. So as long as you all understand the importance of we need to tend to all of these in order to maintain all of these, we can move on. So the human brain. Um, human brain is a fascinating, fascinating organ. Um, just like our heart, it relies on a lot of electrical workings, uh, like your liver. It can be poisoned by different toxins. You know what we're talking about here. Drugs, alcohol, okay. Um, but there's so much more to the brain than just the physical aspect of it. Uh, neuroscientists agree that we have barely scratched the surface on what all is going on with the human brain. It is our link between our physical and our emotional. It will process what we see and helps us to know how we feel about what we see. Um, it's, it is amazing and we want to make sure that we are tending to the health of our brain. So I'm going to do a little sidebar here because y'all have all come from very different backgrounds, I'm sure. And in the Christian community, there are different beliefs regarding mental disorders, if those are a real thing. Um, if they are a real thing, we actually need medication, or can we just pray it away? Um, is it a lack of faith if we do take medication? All of that. And so, since I don't know all of your backgrounds, um, I thought that I would just kind of address some of those arguments that people have before we move on. So one of the arguments that people have about how mental disorders probably aren't actually real is we do not have specific test for mental disorder, and in a way that's actually accurate. Um, we do not have a blood test. You can't prick your finger, put the blood underneath a microscope and say, yes, this person has an anxiety disorder. We can't put you into an MRI machine and scan your brain and say, yes, this person definitely suffers from bipolar disorder. But that's also the case with different physical um, diseases that we know exist. If you look at Alzheimer's disease, um, I don't know if y'all know much about Alzheimer's, but um, there's no actual test for that one either. We can't find it in a blood test. The only way to actually diagnose Alzheimer's is after the person has passed away um, on the autopsy, you will, um, you can look inside your brain and then see it, but it's 
a procedure that you can't do while the person's still alive. Um, it's a similar situation with Parkinson's. You can't actually test for it. But people think you were crazy if you said Alzheimer's doesn't exist. Or Parkinson's doesn't exist. Um, so there's that. Um, consistency in diagnoses. Um, they'll say, you know, um, this person was diagnosed with depression, and it looks really different from this person's depression. And so we're just kind of throwing that diagnosis out. Um, but it's that way with other physical ailments as well. Multiple sclerosis is a great example of that. Uh, some people end up in a wheelchair just months after their diagnosis. Other people will go for years without an outbreak. Um, effectiveness of psychiatric medication. That's a big one. If you've ever seen a commercial for a depressed, an antidepressant, they always talk about the side effects that you want to look out for. <laughs> and one of those side effects is what? Thoughts of suicide. The one, I mean, this is what it's supposed to correct. That goes back to us, we've just scratched the surface on the brain. We, we found a link between dopamine and depression and people who have less dopamine tend to be more depressed and so we give them a medication and it increases the dopamine but for some reason their brain's different and they get more depressed. We're still learning, we're still learning. But it's that way with a lot of medications. We're still learning how people work. And then not all abnormal behavior is a result of a brain disorder. You can have uh, depression, other situations, and it's not actually a problem with the physical part of your brain. We see children who have been victims of, of sexual abuse, just making sure people live in the room, and they are more likely to have depression and anxiety later in life. Or people who are um, subjected to really violent behavior, they tend to be more violent as well. That's not necessarily a, an actual problem with the brain. And I, I would argue if they can learn that behavior, it can be unlearned. They may not need medication that we will prescribe. Okay, so I'm gonna go back. <laughs> I don't know how to go back on this. Um, so <laughs> I love Elizabeth, y'all. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go back to thank you. All right, so I want you to go back to this one. I want you to discuss in your groups. Um, we talked about the importance of taking care of your physical body. We've talked about what your mental is, spiritual, and relational. And I'm willing to bet if you look at this list, you can pick out one or two, hopefully not all four, that you're not doing the best you could be in that area. And what y'all talk about to yourself about, you know what, I, I really need to work on my spiritual. Maybe that's what you need to work on. I don't get in the word as often as I need to. Or, my favorite food is Doritos and Dr. Pepper, and that's what I eat three meals a day. That's not, not healthy, don't do that. But talk about that. Um, y'all are at a rough age. Y'all have just, um, y'all left your home, which you lived in for 18 years, and you've now come to college, where you are, usually you're on your own for the first time, and you are trying to balance academics. What's my major going to be? major and that's going to determine what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It really doesn't. Just so you know, you can, you can change careers. But I have to figure out how to manage my money. Who am I going to live with? My roommate is crazy. We don't want to use that term in the mental health field, but still. Um, you, you aren't getting enough sleep. You're not. 
Um, you have breakaway on Tuesday night until 9 o'clock, and then you have this project that you have to work on, and you have this test that you have to work on, and the group project where that guy does not pull his weight, so you're going to be picking it up after him, and you have a lot going on, and the statistics show it. So 75% of all mental health conditions will start by age 24. That's terrifying. That's all of you. <laughs> <laughs> a Clemson University, they did a study. 85%, 85%, y'all, of students have experienced high to moderate levels of distress stemming from the pandemic. So, Ben and I, we went through college, um, Jordan did too, without the pandemic. And we had all of these stresses of tests and finals and and y'all have that, and y'all got to add in a global pandemic. That's great. It's fun to socially distance. Um, it's fun to just do school on the computer, and so you don't really get that interaction that you need. That's not fun either. Um, There's a lot of stress, and y'all are getting a lot of it. Um, from our own student counseling services, over 24% of Aggies have reported that anxiety has affected their academic performance. That's sad. Over 12% have reported that depression affected your academic performance. So not just being anxious, not just having depression, but actually seeing that it is impacting your academics. That's not gonna help you at all. We have found out that suicide is the second most common cause of death for college. So, and that's, that is terrifying. The, the highest is accidents related, but if you take a look at all car accidents where alcohol's involved, or any other fatalities due to alcohol, that is still lower than suicides for your age group. And that's scary if you think about how things are going on Saturday before the football games when we beat Bama. Um, so, some, um, some of the most common mental health problems in college. There are a lot of mental health issues, y'all. Um, I'm going to focus on the three major ones for college age, but if you find that you're suffering from something else and you want to talk to me about it, I'm, I'm open to talking about that. But for right now, I just want to focus on the ones that are most common for y'all. And so our major three are depression, anxiety, and eating disorders. Um, these are some scary stats, too. Um, a lot of these were taken from um, A&M because I wanted to get stats that were as close to all as possible. 45% of students reported depression impeded normal function. What does that mean for normal function? This just means living your life. This doesn't mean acing a test. This means actually being able to get up and go to class to take the test. And we're seeing 45%, almost half of them have reported it's impeding that function. Um, we've seen diagnoses double in the last decade. 13% have experienced suicidal thoughts. And 25% of college students will be diagnosed with depression. Um, anxiety numbers, equally scary. Um, harmful levels of anxiety. Not just anxiety. We're all going to experience anxiety. Um, and it's not always a bad thing. Uh, it's anxiety that helps us to know I need to put down the remote and go study for this test. But we're talking about the harmful levels. Those diagnoses have also doubled in the last decade. 
and 13% of college students will be diagnosed with anxiety. That's just anxiety. And then we have eating disorders. We like to think that eating disorders are just a girl's problem. And overwhelmingly, women will be diagnosed with eating disorders more than men. Men are not immune, okay? Guys, don't tune me out during eating disorders. Okay, we have found out that 25% of females will struggle with binging and purging. And of those ladies who like to try and control our weight, 91% are doing unhealthy diets of some sort. 91%. That's a lot. So, um, we're going to talk about depression. I get asked a lot, how do I know that I have depression? Um, what do I need to look at for myself? And I'm going to give y'all a list of criteria for depression. Understand, if you don't meet this criteria, but you still think there's something wrong, you need to talk to somebody, okay? You can talk to me, you can use any one of the resources that we've given you. This is just a basic outline of what to look for in depression. We're looking for a persistent versus a brief period of sadness. Um, we do have what's called, um, we do have what's called reactive depression. Uh, that's what we get whenever a friend dies, a family member dies, and you're sad. As a society, we, um, We've become what I like to call the microwave society. We want what we want when we want it, we want it now. And for the most part, we get that. Unfortunately, sometimes we apply that to our mental health. And so we are feeling sad, something bad has happened, and we are sad, and we don't want to feel that. That part, that, that is important for your grieving process and for your healing. But we are talking about situations where it is persistent for two weeks or more. You don't know really what has caused this depression. You just feel low and out. Um, you also need to have four or more of the following to be clinically diagnosed as depressed. Um, a significant weight change. What does that mean? About 10% of your body weight. You can gain it or lose it. People have done both with depression. Um, and a change in your appetite. Uh, sleep changes. With depression, we see people who want to sleep all the time, and we see people who don't sleep. You're still tired, but for whatever reason, you just you can't turn it off, you don't fall asleep. Um, psychomotor agitation, I think that goes without saying. We all know what that is. Right? No, I don't. No? Absolutely. No? Yeah, yeah. Um, psychomotor agitation is um, it's just a very fancy way of saying kind of involuntary movements. If a person is, is pacing and they aren't even aware that they're really pacing, uh, that's a psychomotor agitation. The ringing of your hands is a psychomotor agitation. It's just movements that you're doing that have no purpose. You aren't even aware that you're doing them. And sometimes they can be so extreme that a person is taking off and putting on a jacket. Um, that one gets noticed a lot, but, um, but it can be as, as simple as just wringing your hands. Uh, sometimes it will cause physical ailments. Um, people will take their cuticles until they bleed. That's kind of gross. Um, fatigue, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, an inability to concentrate, and suicidal thoughts. I want to stress this though. Even if you do not meet any of the criteria other than suicidal <coughs> thoughts, you need to talk to somebody and you need to talk to them yesterday. Okay? It is amazing how fast a suicidal thought can become a suicidal plan before you've even realized it. Um, women versus men. Depression is diagnosed significantly more 
in women. So does that mean that it's a women's problem? No. Um, a lot of the experts believe that women are more likely to seek help. It's your men. You don't need help. You got this. Um, it's a sign of weakness to need help, isn't it? That's not. Okay. If um, okay, y'all recently did your your mission trip where y'all were going and a bunch of tetanus shots had to happen, right? <laughs> How ridiculous would it have been if you get that rusty nail and you say, "I don't need a tetanus shot. I'm good." That's ridiculous, guys. Okay. You need help. There's a, there is a strength in admitting that you need help and that you know where your limits are. There is a strength in that. There is a manliness in that. Um, but we do believe that men don't necessarily ask for help as often. Age of onset is late adolescence to early adulthood. Um, now, understand, depression can hit at any time. Most common, it hits sometime between 16, 17, maybe 18, all the way up to 22, 23, 24. Guess who's in that age group? That's our college kids. You add in all of the changes that y'all are going through, and it is, it's so common. And then um, depression is actually the leading cause of disability in the United States, and it's the second leading cause of disability worldwide. So if you find that you are dealing with depression, and you think, um, you know, I don't want to talk about this. I, 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 it's embarrassing. You are not alone. Now, this is a huge problem in this country. And in our country, we don't always like to talk about mental health, but it's a very real thing. And you do need help if these are issues that you're facing. Um, if you um, fall into certain risk factors, you're going to be more prone to depression. You don't have to fall into one of these areas, but if you do, it's more common. Um, those are if you've experienced a parental loss or a separation. And I know pretty much all of you are probably separated from your parents right now because you're in college. And, um, unless you're from College Station, you don't see your parents. We are talking about that. We're talking about if your parents are gone, if your dad has cut you off financially and is not speaking to you, or if your mother has abandoned you. Um, if a parent has passed away. We, we rely on our parents so much just for that support. And whenever that support is lost, you're more likely to face any depression. Um, if you have been a victim of any kind of sexual abuse, um, even if it happened as a child, we are seeing that sometimes that depression, it, it won't come on until many, many, many years later, including in early adulthood. Um, if you suffer from low self-esteem, I think that one isn't too surprising for us. A low socioeconomic status. Um, so those are people who um, have less money. Um, low social support. If you're in college right now and you are paying for college yourself and or your parents do not support your, your major or your, your path that you are, are on, you are much more likely to face depression. Um, if you have chronic sleep problems, that goes back to not taking care of your, your physical. Again, if it's a chronic sleep problem, understand I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying if 
you aren't getting enough sleep, you are more likely to suffer from depression. Um, chronic medical problems, especially ones that cause you a physical pain. Um, or if you have stress from a negative life event, for example, a global pandemic. So unfortunately, everyone in this room more than likely fits at least one of those categories, if not more. I'm not going to have to discuss which category you fall into because it's kind of a personal thing. So um, some people will try and tell you depression is not a real thing. And, well, that's a lie. We have biblical examples of depression. Um, one biblical character who really suffered from depression was David. When David, um, well, when he had Uriah killed, and he is fooling around with Sheba, and he gets called out on his sin, and he, he's, it's all through the Psalms. I mean, he is depressed. <coughs> Job had his depression when, I mean, he lost everything. And then Jonah, when he was down there in the fish gut, and <laughs> things weren't looking so great or smelling so great, he was in a state of depression. Um, three different men, three very different looking cases of depression. Um, David was a man after God's own heart, and he wasn't immune to depression. Depression is not something that you get because you do not have faith. Depression is not something you get because you haven't been following God. And if you are not suffering from depression, thank God, because it's by God's grace that you're not. Do you have any questions about that? So earlier you talked about like reaction-based mm -hmm. depression. Yeah. So like in all three of those examples, they went through like really, really like hardcore stuff. Mm -hmm. Are there other examples of people that like in the Bible where maybe they didn't go through situations that were um, like as intense, where but and they also had a lot of the same. And didn't have depression or did have depression? Did have depression. Um, those are my three main examples that I always use for depression. Um, what about like Solomon, you know, like all of Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. that spurred on? <laughs> well, and with, with reaction um, or reactive depression, um, understand you need to feel those feelings. It's, if it's continuing on for, for multiple weeks, it does then delve into depression. Um, so you need to feel what, you've, what has happened. But if you aren't getting better, it's not, you're not healing from it, you need to talk to somebody in that situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would think Luke, if you look at David, you can probably carry him beyond just the Bathsheba Uriah situation. Um, here we see what the morning for seven days uh, that takes place. But I think the Psalms, he didn't write 25 Psalms in seven days either. You know, and so I think as he is in caves in the wilderness, as he is fleeing Saul, which somewhat it could be reactionary as well, but I think you can see him probably throughout because he's writing so much on this. Psalm 13, how long, oh Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? Just like there's pretty difficult things that he's wrestling through uh, that probably could give it. Does that make sense? It's not just that instantaneous. Uh, yeah. So like length of time in those examples is a big factor. It is. Yes. Yes. If you are experiencing really depressive feelings for more than two weeks, you need to seek help. Okay. Anxiety. Um, I'm betting that one's hitting kind of close to home right now as we are nearing finals. Um, so we're going to talk about that one. 
Hey, can I ask one question? I'm sorry. I would love for you to. Uh, <laughs> you said two weeks. Yes. Um, what if it is, would that mean two weeks every single day you fill that? Or some days are better than others, but if you define your three weeks or four weeks as there's just been kind of a constant state of sadness. I mean, there were good days and there were good moments. You will, have good, you will have good days and good moments and still be okay, able to suffer okay. from depression. Yes. Don't, it doesn't don't need to go. be all, all day, okay. every don't day. Don't go day 10. Oh, I had a good day day 10, so I get to reset my No, you don't, you don't reset. <laughs> no, please don't reset. No, no. Call me. So with anxiety, um, with anxiety, we will all feel anxiety. I'm sure we are all experiencing that right now. But we are talking about this chronic apprehensive feeling. Um, many, many times they will come in the form of a panic attack. Now, I get asked a lot, how do I know I'm having a panic attack? The panic attacks are really terrifying. Uh, they will feel a lot like a heart attack. And at 20 years old, give or take a couple years, you shouldn't be having a heart attack provided you don't have another medical concern. So if you are experiencing sweating, chest pain, your, your heart is racing, um, I wrote all this stuff down, uh, dizziness, chills, um, or a heat sensation, numbness, tingling, that is probably an anxiety attack. If you are thinking you are going to die, if you um, are feeling um, like you are an out-of-body experience, that's a panic attack. And yes, ma'am. Yeah, um, maybe like tortoise and breath kind of trouble bringing me in some of it. They sure can, yes. Now if you've just gotten done running a mile, <laughs> wait a few minutes. <laughs> um, see if your breath comes back, but yes. Um, and these are physical symptoms. Um, with anxiety, so often anxiety is diagnosed with depression. They, they often go hand in hand. They don't have to. I know a lot of people who haven't wanted to seek help because they, they've heard anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. And they say, well, I, I don't have depression, so I must be okay. Um, it usually doesn't accompany depression. It doesn't have to. So it can be on its own. Um, again, we got our manly men um, who aren't as often diagnosed with anxiety. But the experts do believe men suffer from anxiety. They even think men might suffer from anxiety more than women. But they don't want to ask for help. And ladies, sometimes we don't ask for help either. Um, with anxiety, there are seven subcategories. We're going to go through these rather quickly, but I wanted to get these out there in case you're wondering, is something wrong? Is this part of anxiety? Is this just, I'm crazy, what's going on there? Um, so. There's the separation anxiety disorder. This is a, a legit fear of being separated from people or places that you feel safe and connected to, to the point that you will um, you won't go out in social settings for six months because you don't want to be separated from what's bringing you this safety and this comfort. Um, it actually makes up about 12% of our anxiety cases. So large chunk of it. Um, a specific phobia. Now understand, when we talk about a phobia, we're talking about an irrational fear of something. We all have things that we are afraid of. 
But if I were to bring a snake into this room, I'm sure many of us would hate that and would freak out. And that would be a legit fear. Snakes bite. Snakes, they have venom. They can kill you. If I were to show a picture of a snake and you were to find yourself kind of freaking and, and leaving the room, that's a little irrational. Okay? So that's what we're talking about when we talk about a phobia. It needs to be irrational. And um, those make up like, uh, was it 1%? Less than 1%, yeah. We have selective mutism. Has anyone ever seen the show The Big Bang Theory? Because they talk about Okay. So Raj in The Big Bang Theory, how he can't talk around women unless he's inebriated. Um, that's their version of select mutism. Uh, it's really funny on Big Bang Theory, but it is actually a real thing. Um, if you are finding yourself in certain situations physically unable to talk, I'm not saying, oh, I, I hate doing public speaking and I just get tongue-tied. No, I'm saying there are no words. You can't speak. That is selective mutism. Um, it usually accompanies um, a severe, um, oh, goodness, um, a severe social anxiety, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, social anxiety disorder. This one is huge. It makes up about 12% of our population. You are afraid of social situations. Um, a lot of times, people who have social anxiety, they have this fear that they're going to get found out, um, that it's going to be discovered that they, they don't have it all together, that they have been faking something. What they don't understand is just about everybody is faking it in the way that they feel that they are. Um, they will struggle so much, they will not go out. Um, they will not go to a friend's party. They will not want to go to classes. And this will continue on for months and months and months. And then we have agoraphobia. Um, a lot of people think about like Howard Hughes and how he'd always wash his hands with agoraphobia. There's more to it than that. It's not just the fear of germs. It's the fear of not having control of your situation. Um, so that. And then just generalized anxiety disorder. This one. It will have your panic attacks in that category. Um, it's got a lot of the physical <coughs> along with it, and it wouldn't fit into one of those other categories. And um, David, poor David, he is another example of anxiety. Um, he actually writes about his anxiety in Psalm 55. And in that situation, he's been, um, I can't pronounce his friend's name, but he's been, he's had his back, he's been stabbed in the back by his friend. His own son has tried to take his crown from him. He is truly experiencing true panic. If you read Psalm 55, you get a great example of this just anxiety that he's feeling. So if anybody tries to tell you anxiety is not real, David, that man after God's own heart, he experienced it. Do y'all have any questions about anxiety? So this is what you want to be looking out for. But again, if you don't meet these criteria, that doesn't mean there's not a, a situation that you need to talk through. And then we have our eating disorders. Do not tune me out, guys, okay? Um, they are overwhelmingly female. Guys can suffer from them, too. Eating disorders usually will fall into one of three categories. I'm sure we've heard of most of them. Um, the binge and purge, that's your bulimia. When I talk about a binge and purge, what I'm saying is you are eating more than you need and more than is actually comfortable to eat. 
a lot of times whenever you find yourself eating, you don't know why you're eating. You're not hungry, and you almost have this feeling that you can't stop. Then you want to get rid of it. Um, usually this is in the form of throwing it out. When people suffer from an eating disorder that has a binge and purge, usually you know something is wrong. Yes, ma'am? Does Destiny fall into that category? <laughs> Not necessarily. It depends on how many calories you're actually consuming and are you keeping it down. Okay. But if you're wanting to get rid of it, uh, and, and that's usually the sign that there's something wrong. If you are getting rid of food intentionally, that is disordered eating, that is not healthy, not good. Um, we also have the calorie restrictions. That's usually going to fall into our anorexia category. When I talk about calorie restrictions, um, I know we all kind of want to watch our weight, usually the ladies more than the gentlemen. You'll get there, guys. But um, I'm talking about fewer than 1,000 calories a day. Sometimes they will consume as few as 400 calories a day. A lot of times with this one, you don't know that you have an eating disorder. You just truly believe that you are watching your weight and, and watching what you're putting in your body, but you are not eating enough calories to sustain your body. And this will lead to all sorts of problems with your organs shutting down. And then our third category is called the um, eating disorders not otherwise specified or ADNOS. Um, in those, we can over-exercise or laxative abuse. Um, we've eaten something we don't want in our body anymore, so we use that. Laxatives have a purpose. That is not them. Um, do y'all have any questions about that? Okay. All right, so now you know what to look out for um, for your mental health. Okay. Yes, sir? Sorry, it took me a second. There's a lag. Go for it. What's um, that? So, like... <laughs> Um, like I have a buddy, and whenever he was in high school, he played football, and he was a lineman. Okay. And um, after he got out of football, he wanted to get like you know more of like the the classical fit physique, I suppose. More quarterback and, than lineman. Gotcha. Yeah. And so he he does like pretty hardcore dieting. Mm -hmm. That. And I mean, he's definitely got like a really good physique going, like he's very fit, very in shape compared to like most everybody. Mm -hmm. But he still does the same dieting and stuff even though he doesn't really need to. Mm -hmm. Would you classify that as unhealthy eating? It or? would depend on what he's eating and how many calories he is eating. Um, we've all taken a health class, so we all understand about our four food groups. We want to make sure we're getting enough protein, um, enough carbs. Okay, no low carb, no carb thing is really hot right now. Um, and fruits and vegetables to really sustain his body. Um, do you know how many calories he's taking in? No, not precisely. It's probably somewhere around 3,000, I think. At 3,000, he's probably doing okay. Um, in fact, yes, um, if he's eating 3,000, he's probably not doing disordered eating. It would depend on his workout. If he is working out too much in that situation, then that's a different category. Though. Works out a lot. <laughs> Is he at a &M? Um Why don't you and I talk after this? We can talk. It might be a big answer to what's the mental motivation. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know what, what's going on with him, why he's doing what he's doing. Um, like, 
I know that you said that he wants that physical body, but more, what's he trying to attain? This is going to be like a really dumb question, but like, if we, so like in the summer, I guess like, I would just go play tennis or run, like I'd play tennis for like, seven, eight hours a day, and is that like, is that over, I mean I think that's over exercising on my body, but like I'd still eat, like, is he, <laughs> I don't know if that's like a bad question. Well, and we're talking about it from a mental standpoint, why are you playing tennis like that? Is I enjoy playing tennis, or I am, I have to do this exercise to get healthy kind of situation. Um, if you're just enjoying tennis, then you're fine. And you're making sure that you are eating enough calories to do that exercise, then you're fine. It's whenever you are really wanting to focus on the physical body. Many times it stems from a feeling of lack of control over what's going on around you. Um, that's where a lot of our eating disorders come from. Um, and it's just a way for us to have that control. So no, if you just enjoy playing tennis, you, you, you play tennis. Okay. Just make sure that you hydrate a lot because our summers are very dehydrating. Yeah. Um, you should be okay. Yeah. Anything else? Eating disorders are so weird to, I know. All right, so now you know what you need to be looking out for. If you think that you are yeah. suffering from a mental health issue, um, we'll, we'll talk about all the different resources that you can use. But if you're thinking, you know, I'm just kind of on the cusp, maybe I can keep myself from plunging all the way over. Let's talk about some of the stuff that we can do. We need to take care of our body, okay? I know in college that is hard, y'all. I know that you are being pulled in so many different directions. You have to make the right breaks, and you can't let your friends down, and you have to meet your friends for breakaway, and then you also have church on Sunday, and then you've got church on Wednesday, and, and about this project, you have so much going on, but you need to make sure you are getting enough <coughs> That, that is anywhere from seven to nine hours. Some of you can probably get by on six. Some of you might need as much as 10. But if you are consistently living on a diet of caffeine to get you through your day, you are not getting enough sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and you need to make sure that you are getting uh, the right nutrients for your body. Okay, I love Doritos. I love Dr. Pepper. That is not a healthy diet. Okay? We need those fruits. We need those vegetables. We need those proteins. <laughs> you need to socialize, okay? We are social beings, y'all. I don't care if you are the most introverted introvert who ever introverted. You need <laughs> to know other people. You need to have that social circle, okay? And you need to have, it, it doesn't matter if your social circle is two really close friends, 20, but you need to have those close friends that you can be real with. And when I say be real with them, I mean be real. We are in the, the social media age. And so we have Snapchat and Twitter, and I don't know what all y'all are on right now, but I promise it's not good for your mental health because y'all are seeing everybody who is at their best. And you are thinking, I'm not as good as Betty Sue over here. I can't be around her. And that's just not the case. Y'all turn off your phones, okay? No, no, I'm okay. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I'm saying get off the Snapchat and get off of the Zoom and, well, not Zoom. <laughs> Take 
you need to take a break. You have to turn off your brain, right? So in that situation, watch a movie or go out with your friends. Give yourself that mental break. And spiritual care. Y'all, God is calling you. He wants to talk to you. There is nothing that you are dealing with right now that is unfamiliar to him. Um, he, he understands that we are in a post-Genesis 3 world and that there is all kinds of stuff going on. And he is begging you to cry out to him. He has been there. He understands. And he cares. And he tells you over and over in the Bible, come to him. In grace, it is, we need to call out to God. If you need it, you need to seek help. If you're thinking, maybe I need to seek help, you need to seek help. If um, you aren't sure, you can talk to me. You can talk to Jordan. Um, we'll let you know. Hey, you know what? We can we can work through this. We'll let you know if it's it's something beyond our our, our expertise. But if you think you might need help, you need help. Okay. So I'm guessing most of you can take a look at this and be like, you know what? I have nailed socialization part about this. <laughs> or, hey, I am really, really good at that spiritual care. I have figured out when my daily quiet time is going to be. But I bet you can say, I'm really not very good at this or that. So once you talk to your groups and say, hey, you know what? I figured out how to master this because there's probably someone in your group who has it and they would love to give some suggestions on how to. We are done looking at ourselves now. So that's exciting. We are done saying, oh my goodness, I completely suffer from agoraphobia or whatever. What we're going to talk about now, um, I get asked a lot, what about my friends? Um, because a lot of times we start to wonder, does my friend need help? So let's take a, let's talk about signs that we have a friend who might need some help. What do we need to look for in others? We're going to talk about what we need to look for in ourselves, but others, they've got their issues too. If your friend has suddenly become withdrawn, and this is a person that you used to do stuff with all the time, and all of a sudden they just aren't as available, you didn't have a fight, um, you, don't, you don't think you said something to accept them, but they're not coming to things anymore. Um, that could be a, that, that's a warning sign. Take a look at that. I'm not saying automatically there's a problem, but... Take note. Self-harm actions. When we talk about self-harm, I'm mostly referring to situations like cutting or burning. Um, that's a lot more common than we actually think it is. And usually people who do self-harm actions know that there's a stigma that goes along with it and they will try and hide that. Um, so it's harder to notice. But you can take a look at things like, are they dressing appropriately for the season? In um, summers in Texas, they get hot, y'all. Is your friend in long jeans and a long sleeve t-shirt? Maybe they just run cold. I run cold. But they also might be hiding cut marks, burn marks. Um, um, are they making threats? Now, obviously, we think, Yes, if a person's making a threat, we know that there's a problem. Sometimes, though, these threats that they're making, they brush off as though, they're, as though they are a joke. We don't want to act like it's a joke. So the person's like, oh, I'm just going to kill myself. Oh, 
I'm not really, it's just a joke. Start taking notice because there's a thought that's going on in their brain. And we want to be paying attention to these thoughts. Extreme behaviors. So what I'm talking about here is if they are behaving in a way that they don't appear to care if they live or die. They don't seem to understand the importance of taking care of their physical bodies. So driving really fast. They suddenly have bought a motorcycle and they are riding around without a helmet 80 miles per hour down Texas Avenue. Um, just very behavior where you're thinking, this isn't safe and <coughs> they don't seem to care that this isn't safe. Changes in eating habits. Is this a friend that um, for whatever reason all of a sudden y'all go out to dinner and he or she has always just eaten. And so they don't, they're not really, they just ate. Um, or after y'all eat, are they always seeming to find a reason to go to the bathroom? Those are some, some dangerous behaviors. Mood swings. Okay, so we are all in late adolescence. Well, I'm not, but y'all are all in late adolescence, <laughs> early adulthood. <laughs> um, and so um, for the most part, hormones are leveling out. Sometimes. Um, we will have a hormonal swing. Um, other times we haven't gotten enough rest, and so we are struggling to um, regulate those emotions. Other times it is part of a mental health crisis. Okay, so if a person, y'all are laughing and cutting up, and all of a sudden they, you have said something that you, took, you thought was a joke, and they have hit the roof, take note. Drugs or alcohol use. Okay, no one in this room should be using any kind of drug that has not been prescribed by a doctor. Okay. I'm going to say that. I know it happens. It's rarely a good sign. Um, no one in this room who is under the age of 21 or on leadership should be drinking alcohol. Okay. Um, for those of you who are over 21 and are not on leadership, um, if you do drink alcohol, for the most part, that's your business. It is legal. If a person is using drugs or alcohol to max pain or to self-medicate. If you notice that they um, need to seem, they seem to need a drink to get through their day. Uh, something's going on there. And it, it's called self-medicating and it is a very dangerous habit. Personality changes. Um, do you have a friend who is usually bubbly and then all of a sudden gets really low? That's a warning sign. And I think that we would all understand why that would be a warning sign. Uh, something else I really want to make sure that I, I stress to y'all though. If that friend who is usually bubbly and then suddenly gets low and is low for a while and is suddenly happy again, that is a warning sign as well. And the reason for that is because if a person is suicidal and when they decide how they're going to end it, when they're going to end it, where they're going to end it, they have their plans. A lot of times they get a sense of euphoria. They see their escape and they have improved their mood. So if you have a friend who has gotten really low and all of a sudden, you don't know why, they have gotten euphoric, get a little concerned. Get a lot concerned. Um, changes in sleeping habits, those are so hard to tell in college y'all because y'all's, your schedule changes do you have Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes? Do you get Thursday classes? Are you getting up for 8 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you get to sleep until your 2 o'clock class on Tuesday, Thursday? But 
You know your friends. You know how they sleep. Have they suddenly started sleeping more? Have they suddenly started not sleeping at all? Um, what's going on here? And then if they are having difficulty focusing or staying still. So if you have any of these in your friend and you think something's going on, something's just, I mean, something could be going on, what do you do? Share your concerns with your friend. Um, note, I don't say on here, go to your other friend, ask them if they've noticed a problem as well, and then go talk to your friend. That is not constructive. The Bible talks about church discipline. Um, have you all read about church discipline? Yeah, and so the important thing is, if a person in the church is sinning, what do you do? You go to that person directly, and you call them out on it, and if they deny it, you bring other people. Same, similar situation here. If your friend is struggling, they don't need to know that you and another friend have been talking about their issues behind their back. That is not beneficial to them. And I know that it is probably coming from a good place in your heart, and you don't want to embarrass your friend and um, go to them if there's actually nothing wrong, maybe you're not seeing something. But talking about it behind their back is never beneficial, okay? Um, so go to your friend and say, hey, I've been seeing this behavior. Something going on. I'm, I'm here to talk to you. Maybe they want to talk about it. Maybe they don't. Um, if they do want to talk about it, offer them your support. How do we offer that support? You say, how can I help you? Okay. Sometimes we don't know how to help our friend. But we can tell our friend, I, I want to help. I have no idea how I can best support you here. But you might know what you need. How can I help you? Um, sometimes your friend won't want to talk about it. That's okay. Check in with them a lot. Let them know that you care. Let them know that you are here for them. Okay? And I want you to make sure that you are including your friend. So if you invite your friend to five different things and he or she <coughs> never comes to any of them, keep including them. Let them know you are here and that you care and that you, you want to help them in whatever way you can. Do not judge them. They don't need that. They don't need you telling them, you're going to get over this. It's going to be okay. They don't need you saying, you know, I know that you think this is a big deal, but it's really not. If it's a big deal to them, it's a big deal to them. Validate that. Learn more. If your friend says, you know what, I have been struggling with this, um, this eating disorder. And I know it's not good, I know it's not healthy, I don't know what to do. And you don't know much about eating disorders? Talk to somebody who does. Okay. Get educated on it. Learn more about it. And if all else fails, reach out to someone you trust. I have no doubt Jordan would be more than happy to talk to you. And he, if he can't help you, he will do whatever he can to get you in touch with someone who can. Um, on those papers, I have my contact information. You can always reach out to me. I will answer my phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, if y'all have a professor in common. But y'all, those suicide numbers are terrifying, okay? Make sure that if you have any concerns about your friend, you are doing everything you can to get them the help that they need. So we have a ton of available resources. You have all of those available on your tables there. Um, this is just a few of the ones that we have. Y'all have counseling services on campus. I think most of y'all are aware of that, but just in case you aren't, your student fees cover that. Okay, go to them. 
if, for whatever reason, if they're closed, there is a, a helpline that is a phone number that you can call. It is manned anytime that student counseling services are closed. So you can call them at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all the way until 8 o'clock in the morning. So if it is 2 o'clock in the morning and you just need someone to talk to, there is someone there to listen. They are also manning those phones 24 hours a day on the weekends. Um, they have a health promotion, I put that on your sites there, that can help you with all sorts of both physical and emotional needs. The MHMR Authority of Brazos Valley, they help you with all sorts of mental health resources. Uh, Butyl, y'all, Butyl has a dietitian who can help you if you're like, you know what, I'm not sure if my eating habits are all that healthy. She'll help you. There is a small fee with her. All else fails, take your friend to the emergency room. Every single emergency room here is equipped to handle mental health issues. Okay. Um, and then you'll also have some phone numbers there for yourselves if you need um, just someone to talk to for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. There's also a text line, because sometimes you don't want to talk, but you can text and you can do that. If y'all have any questions. Have I terrified all of you? I have a question. Okay. Um, so you're talking about the emergency room. Yes. You, you, see a, you see a friend um, who maybe has some marks on her wrist or something like that. Mm -hmm. They aren't willing to talk with you um, and they're kind of pulling away. Mm -hmm. Is this something you take them to an emergency room or do they, I, I don't know if you're an office fan, but I just envision Meredith going to that. Person came to you with that issue. I've never known anyone. Yeah. 
And so um, I just want you guys to hear there is nothing that you're going to email me with and go, we need to talk, that I'm going to go, whoa, you are too crazy of a case. No, I'm done. <laughs> Um, I think in my office by people in this room tonight, I've heard just about every single thing she just said has been experienced by people in this room. What really terrifies me is not them. It's the ones of you that didn't come to my office, that haven't told a friend, that have been struggling and hiding and covering up and just getting by and thinking you'll get over it when this semester ends. And then next semester starts. And so um, I just urge you, take the steps for your health. Prioritize it over school. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you get on a GPA if you're not graduating. Because you didn't take healthy steps. So yeah, hopefully that makes any sense at the end there. So it's OK, guys. Um, do that. Everybody in here should know you can meet with me pretty much any time. I unfortunately allow y'all to dictate my schedule. Um, <laughs> doesn't lead to a lot of help for me, um, but I'm working on that. Uh, but no, the, you know, uh, whether this is your first semester or first year with us, I see four of you guys that have come in and shared. Whether this is your a leader with us, and four of you guys have come in and shared. It doesn't matter. We're here to help. We will connect you. We will work with you. Do everything that we can to support you. So, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, and yeah, go and be helpful to your friends. And also be helpful to yourself. All right? Go get some sleep, right? Go get some sleep. So, Eat healthy breakfast. All right. That's